0: Hello again. <laughs> yeah. I apologize for you seeing so much of me today. There we go. I apologize for you seeing so much of me today. Basically what happened was in the course of a very busy week I forgot to ask somebody else to MC, so um anyway, here I am again. And it's a joy to be with you and to open God's word with you. We're continuing to work our way through the book of Philippians. Today we're in chapter two, verses fourteen to eighteen. So please turn there with me. Philippians chapter two, verses fourteen to eighteen. Last week we looked at how the Christian life works. We talked about the fact that we have to give our full effort towards growth and towards walking with God. Um, we talked about the fact that a let go and let God mindset is not a biblical mindset, but rather, um, just like we saw In our memory verse, that God calls us to take up our cross daily and follow Him. And to take up your cross is not easy, it requires our full effort. God's design is that we work out our salvation, as we saw last week, with fear and trembling. We give it our all, take it very seriously. Yet, at the same time, we saw that God works in us. That we would never make any progress at all apart from His work in us. And it is His working in us that gives us hope and confidence and courage to run the race and fight the fight of the Christian life. It's the fact that God is at work within me Both to will, that is to desire, and to work, that is to do, to succeed. It's that fact that motivates me to keep fighting. Because it's a guarantee. God's at work within you. Therefore, if you fight, you will win. If you run, you will finish the race. Because God is at work within you. Now last week's passage is also an introduction to the text we'll be looking at today. We're not starting a new section, but rather continuing on from last week. Much like this. If Paul's general exhortation to the Philippians in verses 11 and 12 was to work out their salvation with fear and trembling... And his general encouragement to them was that God himself is at work within them, helping them succeed in that pursuit. Then in today's passage, Paul hones in on one particular very practical area where this can and should be applied. Chapter 2, verses 14 to 18 reads, Do all things without grumbling or questioning. even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. Let's unpack this passage together. First of all, we see Paul's plea. Paul's plea, that's in chapter 2, verses 14 16a he says do all things without grumbling or questioning or some of your translations may say disputing arguing basically don't grumble and get into conflicts is essentially what paul's telling us he's talking about an all-encompassing shift in perspective and values for all of life You see, if two people go through identical seasons of difficulty, who tends to grumble the most out of the the two of them? The one who thinks a lot about themselves, who focuses on the difficulties and how things are not going the way they want things to be. Who tends to get into conflicts the most? Those who want their way and want it enough that they will fight for it. But what have we just seen earlier in the book of Philippians? We've seen in Philippians 2, verses 3 3 through 4, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than, than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his interests, but also to the interests of others. You see, this passage is basically an antidote to grumbling and conflict. If you have this attitude, if you go about life in this way, there's much less to grumble about, much less to argue about. A commitment to forgetting about living for myself as if life is about me, and to actively, practically considering others as more important than me, and living to serve them. That's what God calls us to. Not just getting stuck on what I want, But thinking always about others and about what is best for them too and then where did paul go after that section to the incredible example of jesus he he sets our eyes on jesus who gave up his rights who gave up his confidence his comforts who gave up being praised and served 24 7 who willingly left his throne and dive down into the depths of His creation to become like a servant. And in order to serve us and meet our greatest need, right? Our forgiveness of sins, and to bring glory to God the Father, He was obedient, the text says, to the point of death, even death on a cross. This is the very opposite of someone stuck on themselves, grumbling about life's hardships, merely focused on getting their comforts and their rights. It's the opposite of someone so focused on themselves and their needs, that instead of seeing opportunities to love and serve others by preferring them, they rather lock horns with them and fight for their own personal preferences. And we're so inclined this way, naturally. For those of you who aren't parents yet, a lot of parenting is trying to get this very point across. We are so inclined to fighting for our rights and our preferences. What have we seen about Paul's outlook through this book? He's in prison with loads that he could be complaining about. If he wanted to focus on his difficult circumstances, he certainly could. But instead, he's rejoicing because of the Philippians' faith and because of the ways he sees the Gospel advancing. Paul wants us to be different to the world. He wants us, in all things, as a way of life, to be like Jesus, putting others before ourselves. And why? Why does Paul want the Philippians, and indeed all Christians, to live like this? Well, verse 15 tells us, that, so that, right, you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. In other words, Paul wants Christians to stand out, In a self-centered, self-seeking, instant gratification world, he wants us to live selfless and grateful lives that stand out and shine brightly. The language Paul uses in verse 14 alludes to a passage in Deuteronomy, and his language in verse 15 quotes straight from that Old Testament book. And the occasion then was Moses rebuking the Israelites for grumbling about their circumstances in a way that showed an incredible lack of perspective. God had rescued them from slavery in Egypt. He performed incredible miracles to defeat the greatest nation in the world at the time and rescue his people. He had entered into a special covenantal relationship with them and was taking them to the promised land. They were in the midst of something amazing that God was doing. But all they were focused on was the fact that they weren't getting fish and cucumbers and garlic like they were able to eat as slaves in Egypt. If we want to live faithful and fruitful lives for Jesus, Seeking, seeing his gospel advance, we need to be th- people who think exactly opposite to how the Israelites were thinking. We need to look past whether or not we have our immediate comforts and preferences, like fish and, and cucumbers. Or in Paul's case, right, being out of prison. We need to look instead to the bigger picture of what God has done for us in Jesus, what God has promised us in Jesus, and what God is seeking to do through us. Verse 16 could be translated in two ways. Either holding fast or holding forth. When holding fast would be like holding, holding tightly onto, holding forth would be like presenting it to others and I think in the context and flow of the book, holding forth seems to be the better understanding here. This points to our mission again, to hold out the word of life, to see the gospel advance, to tell others about Jesus, which is um, and Jesus and his death on the cross to save us from our sins. We will not do this successfully unless we heed Paul's plea here. Grumbling and infighting will distract us, and it will detract from gospel ministry, where selfless, grateful contentment and unity amongst Christians will stand out to the world and will help us work together to accomplish the mission God has called us to. Secondly, we can see here Paul's heartbeat. Paul's heartbeat, that's from verse 16b on to verse 18. Paul explains why he's making this plea. It's so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. Now, oftentimes, pastors will remind each other of this important truth God calls you to be faithful. God calls you to be faithful. It's not in your hands how people respond. It is God who gives the fruit. All you can do is to be faithful, to teach the truth in love. And there are many, many, many times when this is exactly what a pastor needs to hear, what ex- exactly what anybody who's seeking to influence others for the Lord needs to hear, what parents need to hear, What people seeking to share the gospel or disciple others need to hear. And it's true. It is true. But it's not true in a way that should leave Christians indifferent to whether or not their ministry efforts bear fruit. We have a goal. We have a goal. We want to see people saved, we want to see people grow. Paul tells us in Romans that he could wish that he himself was accursed if it meant that his countrymen could be saved. He longed for their salvation deeply. There was a reason that Paul could endure shipwrecks and beatings and stonings and imprisonments as a missionary, because he so deeply wanted to see people saved. And he also wanted to see Christians mature. In Colossians one 28 to 28-29, he says, Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. Now verse 29, For this I toil, I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. He toiled and struggled to see people grow and mature in Christ. He longed to see their growth. And as we've already seen in the book of Philippians, when believers are following Jesus faithfully and are growing, Paul is thankful for them and and finds joy even in the midst of his own very difficult situation. We can trust God when our ministry efforts do not bear fruit, but our hearts must be deeply invested in our ministry efforts. We must long to see the lost saved and the saved spurred on to love, good works, and Christlikeness. And this is both because of the love that we should have for people and because of the love we should have for God. Why has Paul labored as he has for the Philippian church? Because he wants to see a church full of people living, as he said, right, previously, we saw in 127, living worthy of the gospel of Christ, living to the glory of Christ. And brothers and sisters, the same is true right here in Victoria West Bible Church. I'm definitely not saying I'm anything like the Apostle Paul. Um far far from it but when my family moved here to pretoria west we we did so with with dreams with goals we moved here for this reason our steering committee brothers jimmy do me and schlanschler these brothers are studying theology they're leading gcs they're serving the worship team they're preaching, they're working full time jobs, seeking to be faithful husbands. They have a lot going on, a lot going on. Why is it that they would invest so much time, so much effort in this church? We have no desire to simply go through the motions and play church, I promise you. Hours of study and preparation and service and prayer. Are being poured into this church plant with the longing that the lost will be saved and that the saved will live lives more and more and more and more worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We want to see a church, this church, full of believers who can say from the bottom of their hearts to live as Christ and to die as gain. Who are characterized by lives of humble service and considering others more important than themselves who don't allow themselves to get caught up in grumbling and arguing because their focus is not on their comforts and preferences but on on advancing the gospel and glorifying Christ we long for that in your lives and we long for that in our lives and brothers and sisters God has done so much In this church already, I have had so much occasion for thanksgiving and for tears of joy. We're proud of you in the sense that Paul talks about being proud here, and we're joyful. But we also long to see you excel still more in prioritizing the advance of the gospel through your life, and treasuring Jesus and his gospel and dying to self for the sake of others and the glory of God as you seek to follow the example of Jesus. That's the goal. That's the dream. And while we could trust God, as we said earlier, if this doesn't work out, right? If this little church fizzles out and dies, it would certainly feel a lot like what Paul describes here in verse 16, like a lot of labor in vain like we'd accomplished nothing. It would be very, very hard. And it should be. It should be hard, because our hearts must be in it. And I'm gonna say this, how different, how different would it be, right? If that's one scenario that the church would fizzle out and die, how different would it be if Jesus returned And we could point to Pretoria West Bible Church. As a family of Christ followers who love Jesus more than anything and everything. Who love and serve each other sacrificially. And who strive side by side for the advance of the gospel. No matter what difficulties come your way. What a joy it would be to say to Jesus... You built this church. Of course, you did. But Jesus, we also labored and we invested our lives to offer this to you. The people that you saved. The people you united together as family. Who are seeking to bring honor to you in all of life. This is our offering to you for your glory. That was Paul's perspective with the Philippians. That's why he invested himself so fully in their lives. Do you see what Paul says here in verse 17? Even if I am poured out as a drink offering on the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice. Now, in Old Testament times, a drink offering was was a secondary offering. Offered after you'd offered your primary offering. The primary offering Paul's talking about here is the faith of the Philippians, the, the, the Christian life that they're living, the Christian life that they're living together as a church. And he's saying he's invested in that. That's his offering to, to Jesus. And he's happy to die for the goal of that being a well-pleasing offering to Jesus. If he can offer up a faithful and fruitful church to Jesus, it will all be worth it, even if it means he needs to give his own life in martyrdom as a secondary drink offering on top of that offering. In verse 18 he says, Likewise, you also should rejoice with me, You too should see that it is well worth it to sacrifice for this goal and that succeeding in this goal should bring you great joy. Brothers and sisters, in conclusion, you don't need to be a pastor to have this heartbeat and goal. The Great Commission has been given to all of us. Make disciples of every nation, And that means both leading people to salvation in Christ and helping them grow as followers of Jesus. That's for all of us. And we have all been given spiritual gifts to use in the local church. Gifts designed by God to bless and serve His people and to build up His church. Let's all live then to see the gospel advance and the church grow. Let's hear Paul's plea to be selfless people who are too focused on serving others and glorifying God to waste our life in grumbling and arguing about our comforts and preferences. Let's work out our salvation with fear and trembling, aiming, like Paul, to one day present to Jesus a healthy church that exalts Him in every way, a church that we are faithfully a part of, And a church that God has used us to grow and mature. Amen? Thank you.